Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Isn't God's Word good to you? Do you love it? Do you appreciate it? Are you thankful to have a copy of it? You know, people, some people of the world don't have a copy of the Bible, and they would do anything to rip one page out of the Bible and have you share it with them. Aren't you glad to be living in a blessed nation among a blessed people where you can just experience the Word of God, enjoy the Word of God, study the Word of God? Glory to God. We are a privileged people. We've got to be mindful of the fact that we have brothers and sisters that are out there in other lands that I'll tell you what, they've got it tough, they've got it very difficult, it's very hard. Like people in China, the underground church, they can't study the Bible freely and openly because their lives would be endangered if they were caught doing so. But we've got a privilege here. We can study this Word tonight. We can get up in the morning and study it. We can walk on the streets and study it. We can carry our Bibles with us. If we wanted to, we could put frontlets on our foreheads and just expose the Word of God that way and nobody would say anything because we have a right to do so. Somebody better say amen and thank the Lord for that. Hallelujah. Well, let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Ephesians in chapter 5. And I want to talk to us tonight about the Spirit-filled life. We're going to do a little bit of a series and a teaching on the Spirit-filled life. How many of you know that God wants us to be filled with his spirit and live a spirit filled life in the book of Ephesians chapter five. And we're going to look at verse 18 primarily. Did you know that the Holy Ghost is the one who is actively at work in the earth at this hour? He is the divine agent of the Godhead who is actively at work among men on this earth at this hour. And it's by the power of the Holy Ghost we are born again regenerated and washed in the blood. It is by the power of the Holy Ghost that you and I are led, for we are led by the Spirit of God. It is the Holy Ghost who empowers us to witness for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And also, the Bible teaches us that it's the Holy Ghost that empowers us to continue the works of Jesus in the earth. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. And how will we do those works? By the power and might of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. It's also true that the Holy Spirit is the divine agent that brings us into a personal, intimate relationship with God the Father and God the Son. It is the Spirit, we are told, who glorifies the Son. It is the Son who glorifies the Father. And the Holy Spirit wants us to have a dynamic relationship with God the Father and God the Son. And He enables, to ha enables us to have a vital and a dynamic relationship with God the Father and God the Son as we invite Him into our lives to fill us and to flood us with His presence and also with His power. Now, why is that so that God wants us to have a Spirit-filled life? Because I believe He wants us to be able to tap into a source of power that transcends all other powers that are at our disposal. And that is the power and the might of the Holy Spirit of the living God who is actively, actively involved in the beginning in bringing out of chaos a calm and a place of peace and rest. He brought order out of chaos then. And you know what? He wants to bring order 
out of chaos in all of our lives here tonight. I'll tell you what, we should really daily thank God for the Holy Ghost. You see, the Father wants us to have His personal presence in our lives so that we can depend on Him, we can rely on Him, we can trust Him, we can lean on Him. And when it comes to carrying out the purpose and will that God has for our lives, we can depend on Him to empower us to do so. And so the Holy Spirit is to be a dear friend in all of our lives. Not just a doctrine, but praise God, a vital reality in all of our lives. If you recall in John 14, 15, and 16, when Jesus gave a final discourse before He left the earth to go back to the Father, remember John talked about how Jesus emphasized the value and the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives? As a matter of fact, He said it was more important for the Holy Spirit to come than it was for Him to stay. Because if He stayed on earth, He would be localized. And He can only affect certain individuals at a time. But if He went back to the Father, He would send the promise of the Father to the earth and the Holy Spirit has the ability and the capacity to reach out and touch every person upon the planet all at the same time if need be. Aren't you glad to know that your God is so big and so great that if every human being upon the planet right now who is unregenerate called upon the name of the Lord, the Holy Ghost would give birth to them all at the same time. Isn't that wonderful to know? How powerful this divine agent of God is in all of our lives. Father, we study your word with joy in our hearts. And Father, we believe that as we do study it, Your Holy Spirit, who is among us and in us and hovering over us right now, will make Your Word real to each and every one of us. He will change us from glory to glory. He'll minister life to us. He'll touch our hearts with the power of Your Word and quicken us according to what is written. Thank You for ears to hear, hearts that receive, and minds that are open to the instructional teaching of Your Word. And Father, whether it's correction or just insight and understanding and revelation, we joyfully receive the truth tonight in Jesus' name. And if you agree, say amen. Amen. Now, personally speaking, I can't tell you how much I appreciate and value the Holy Spirit in my life. I think about when I first came to Jesus and how the Holy Spirit was such a gentleman, how He just really waited upon me to have a change of heart. When I first said no, I couldn't understand about the new birth experience. He didn't reject me and turn me down and walk away from me. He stayed right with me, knowing that one day I would respond. And I did. See, He didn't stop convicting me of sin, of righteousness and judgment, just because of my ignorance and lack of knowledge and understanding. He kept His cool with me and stayed right by my side and instructed me and taught me And showed me until my eyes were flooded with light and I gave my heart to Jesus. From that moment to the time He led me to go to Tulsa, to Rhema Bible Training Center, to the time He led me to come back and then spoke to me audibly saying, you'll be the next pastor of that church. And then empowered me for service to do the work and the will of God for my life. And continue to pour into me the grace of God. Oh, thank God. So that at those times when, you know, we all sometimes get frustrated and we all sometimes get low in our walk with God. 
And sometimes we feel inadequate and feel as though that we're not capable of carrying out what God would have us to do. And it seems like it's so big and beyond anything we can possibly handle. Aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit who is right there to infuse that strength of God into our lives? You might feel as though I'm just not going to make it in this particular challenge of my life. But I want you to know you've got someone that you can depend on. And He is a real person. The third person of deity, the Holy Spirit, is right there in you and by your side. And He wants to do a work in you, praise God, that will bless you beyond anything you can imagine. Notice this verse in Ephesians 5 and verse 18. It says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Notice, be filled with the Spirit. Beloved, being filled with the Spirit and living a Spirit-filled life is allowing the Holy Spirit to be in our lives, not just a doctrine, but a reality. Not just something that we think of in the mind, but an absolute reality within our lives. God wants to be real to us. He has always wanted to live among His people and walk with His people and, and be alive to His people and real to His people. Beloved, God is real tonight. And He is in this place tonight. He is right here tonight. He is among us here in this building tonight. The living God, the Creator God of all the universe, of heaven and earth, and all that in them is, is right here among us, in this place, in our hearts, in our lives. And He wants to be real in our lives. God doesn't want to be a doctrine in our minds. Man, He wants to be a living, vital reality in our lives. He wants us to allow Him to be the governing and guiding influence and force in all of our lives. In other words, He wants us to be dependent upon His Holy Spirit. See, Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you without comfort or hopeless. I'm leaving you with the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit is another comforter, just like I was when I was on earth. And He'll live with you. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. He'll counsel you. As a matter of fact, what did He say in John 14 and 16 and 17? The Holy Spirit, if you feel like as though you are without comfort, He wants to be a real comfort to you in those times. If you feel like you're confused, He wants to be a counselor to you at that moment of your confusion. If you feel like you're all alone in this life, He wants to be your advocate and let you know you're not standing by yourself. You're not alone. You've got an advocate with the Father. The Holy Spirit is right here, your advocate to, to be there for you. And it, he goes on to say, He wants to be your helper as well. If you feel like you're without help and you have no assistance in this life, you've got a helper. And He wants you to be able to call upon Him and say, Holy Spirit, You are my helper as I live my life in the earth. I'm not going at life alone. I'm not standing against the wiles of the devil alone. I'm not trying to achieve the purposes of God all by myself and alone. I'm not trying to be the right husband all alone. I'm not trying to be the right wife all alone. I'm not trying to be the right mother and father all by myself. I've got a helper right by my side. I've got a standby on the inside of me. It's the Holy Ghost. And I know in my humanity I'm going to miss the mark, and so are you. But you know what? Thank God for forgiveness. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. And thank God we can take it up with the Holy Ghost and say, Holy Spirit, my comforter, my helper, and my guide, assist me in these matters and show me the way I should go and tell me what I should do. And you know what? He's real, He's alive, and He will help you. He wants us to be able to draw from His wells of living water. 
He wants us to be able to, to, to draw from the strength of those rivers that He said would flow out from us. Beloved, He wants us to have a, a river mentality. A river mentality. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake He of the Spirit that they which believe on Him should receive. Thank God for the well that springs up to everlasting life. But hallelujah, glory to God for the rivers of life and the rivers of waters that flow in and out from us to help humanity and to bless humanity. I want you to notice here in these verses. Let's read verse 18 again and then read through 21. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Paul begins uh, this call to maintain a Spirit-filled life by speaking to us of something that we should not do. And I should say, not just telling us, I should say commanding us of something that we should not do. And what is it that he said that we should not do? Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. One translation says debauchery. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess or debauchery. And debauchery basically means excessively lewd behavior. Don't fill yourself up with intoxicants that lead to excessively lewd behavior. Don't be numbered among the lewd characters of the baser sort in the Bible. Don't find yourself acted foolishly because uh, you have partaken of too much of the intoxicants of this world. He said, look, God has something far better for you to be full of and filled with. God has something far better for you to be intoxicated with. Amen. He does. He has something far better than that. He said, be filled or be being filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of the living God. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in full detail. But here's the idea he's trying to plant within our minds. He is saying this, look, there are people that are in this world that have a hard time facing the challenges of life. And as a result of that difficulty, they become blue and moody. And they feel like as though they have to escape the reality of the challenges that life throws their way. They look around the world and they see how dark and dreary all things are. And they see how horrible situations might be in, in this area of life or that area of life. And they succumb to the temptation to be moody and down and blue. And they feel like as though, my goodness, how are we going to make it in this life? And so what do they turn to? They turn to alcohol. And really, they turn even to eating and overeating and excessively eating. As a matter of fact, if you'll just study the Word out, you'll find out that God puts those two together. We're not to be caught up in drunkenness or surfeiting. Now, I know we as Christians, we really get on the drunkenness part, but when it comes to the overeating part, boy, we just kind of hold our peace, don't we? We don't want to see over-drinking all that stuff, but when it comes to eating, man, don't take away my pasta. You know, we, we want to have our pasta. We want to have it, and it's not wrong. Well, you know what? It is wrong to do both of those things when it comes to because I'm feeling blue or I'm feeling sad or I'm having problems and difficulties in life that I've got to turn to something like an intoxicant to overcome my blues or to help me escape the reality of the problems that I'm facing in life. We're not to overeat or eat excessively, 
so as to satisfy some deficiency that we have within our life or some emotional problem that we have in our life. We're not to turn to alcohol and, and abuse alcohol because, you know, I've got a problem. I've been hurt in life and I've got some deficiencies in my life. I've got some emotional problems in my life. And so I've got to turn to something to help me escape the problems that I'm facing in this life. He makes a command right here. He said, do not... Give yourself over unto the intoxicants of this world that can lead to uh, excessively lewd behavior and cause you to act foolishly among men when you know that is not going to be your way of escape. That is not going to help you. And don't be given to excessive eating and, and encountering excessive eating disorders in your life just because you have some deficiencies in your life. If you have a deficiency, God has a sufficiency. And God your Father wants you to be filled not with the intoxicants of this world, but be filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the source of life that enables you to rise up above the things that you are facing in this world. And that's why the Apostle Paul here is speaking to them. And he says, look, Man, don't be intoxicated by these worldly things. Be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. God has a remedy for your problem and a solution to what you're facing. Now, beloved, you recall in Matthew chapter 9 when Jesus talked about the wineskins, the old wineskins, and the putting in of the new wine into the old wineskins. And I know that we have used that to speak of various things. Like some will use that particular verse of Scripture in chapter 9, verse 17, and talks about the Old Covenant as opposed to the New Covenant, or the Jew as opposed to the Gentile, or the old way to the new way. And I believe also there's a lot of meaning here when it comes to the fact that God wanted to see to it that the time would come where He would stop dealing with man from the outside, looking in, trying to reach His heart through the external practices of the law and the rituals of Judaism. The time was going to come where He would affect the heart of man from the outside to the inside by establishing certain laws that man would be unable to fulfill. But there's going to come a day that God was going to say, I don't want to be on the outside and govern man's life from the outside. I want to govern man's life on the inside. But the problem is I can't put this new wine and the Holy Spirit is a type of wine. Wine is a type of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. I can't put this new wine which represents the life and the power of the Most High God into an old wine skin. In order for me to get this new power inside the human being, I've got to do a work on their spirit. And so the first work was going to be this. He was going to touch the spirit of a man in the new birth and take out the old heart of stone and put in a new heart of flesh, one that is pliable, one that is changed and stretched out. Because you see, if you put new wine in the old wineskins, the fermentation process will cause the old wineskins to burst and you're going to lose all the product. Because they've already been dried up and, and they've shrunk and all that, they've become brittle. But you've got to renew that wine skin, make it more pliable so it's more acceptable and adaptable to the new wine that God's going to put in on the inside. Well, beloved, Ezekiel talked about the new heart God's going to give us. And once He gives us the new heart, He's going to put in something else, the new spirit. This new spirit and His spirit He's going to put on the inside of us. And God did a work on the inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit called regeneration. He gave us the new birth which made our spirit that's been on the inside acceptable to house the power 
power of the Most High God, the power and presence of the living God was going to come and reside in the heart of a man. And that was God's objective from the very beginning was not to be on the outside influencing man, but to be on the inside of the man. And beloved, that's exactly what He's done for us. He's given us all a brand new heart and a brand new life on the inside. This man on the inside is brand new. God has recreated it by His Spirit. It is acceptable now and ready to house. Are you ready? The glorious power of the presence and majesty of the living God. And He is saying, look, don't be filled with all those other things. Don't flood your soul and don't flood your life with those things that are meaningless and those things that lead to things that you shouldn't be a part of. I've made available to you the new wine. I've made available to you the new power and glory of the Spirit of the living God and you can be filled with His presence and His power. If that doesn't make you shout, I don't know what will. And if you need your mood to be elevated, saint... If you need to get out of your blue mood and state of emotional deficiency, you know what? You can forget Jack Daniels because you've got the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You can partake of the Holy Ghost and you can be filled to overflowing and He'll lift your spirits to a new high. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. Now, I remember my initial experience when I began to go to church after coming out of a denominational background and not really knowing anything about the power of the Holy Spirit, but just beginning the process of learning. And I went to a church. I was already filled with the Holy Ghost. I spoke out with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave me utterance. I went to a Pentecostal church and I couldn't understand what happened to me because I would go inside that church and I would be on fire. I prayed in the Holy Ghost on the way to church, speaking out with other tongues. You ever get to the place where you spoke so much in other tongues, the hair on the back of your head just began to stand up and your arm just began to stand and your goose pimples had goose pimples. Have you ever been to that place before in your life? And I mean, you were just, just electrified and empowered by the Spirit of the living God. And I would go into that church service. I would sit in that church service. And then by the time I left that church service, I was down. I was browbeaten. And I thought, am I even saved? I didn't even know if I was saved by the time I got out of that church service. And I couldn't understand why. The praise and worship was wonderful when you first walked in. But then the things I began to hear from the pulpit just began to browbeat me and condescend upon me and condemn me. And before long, before you knew it, there I was. My goodness, God is an angry God. God is a God of judgment. God is just waiting for me to make the first mistake in my life. And when He does, He is going to pour out His wrath from heaven upon me. And it's just going to get a hold of me and just shake me loose. I don't know if I can live this Christian life. What's the matter with me? Why do I feel so down and out? Why do I feel so so low? Why do I feel so abused? Shouldn't, shouldn't church be a place where I can go and be built up and edified and full of joy? I didn't realize that. Well, finally one day, I finally came to my senses. Thank God for the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, it's not you, has nothing to do with you. It's all of what you're hearing. You see, you're not hearing the truth. And I sat back and I began to evaluate what I was hearing come forth from that pulpit. And you know what? I believe that there is a God of justice and there is a God of judgment. And I believe in sometimes in some services, God is going to correct us. But you know what? He's going to do it in love. And He told us to correct one another in the spirit of meekness. And if He does that for us, we're supposed to do that for other people. He's going to do that for us as well. I believe so. He's going to let us know when we're wrong and all that. 
But you see, there's a proper way to produce, or to present truth, rather, and give it out to people so that they're not browbeaten, condemned, and feeling low when they leave the church service. You always have to build them back up. So I began to listen to what was being said, and I realized, you know what, <laughs> this isn't for me. This isn't what I want. My goodness. I know there's challenges in this life, and I know that there are people that need to be corrected, but you know what? I don't want a preacher preaching to me, really, what he should be preaching to someone who's not there. He's talking about everybody that wasn't there. I'm going to raise my hand one day and just say, Pastor, I'm here. I'm here. I'm tithing. I'm giving. I'm supporting. I'm praying. I'm doing everything you want me to do. And just because these people are on a picnic, it's not my fault they're on a picnic. So don't just browbeat me because they're on a picnic. That's what I wanted to say on the inside, if you know what I'm talking about. You know, why are you preaching to those people? They're not here. Preach to us. We're here. It's Wednesday night. We're here. I've got to go to work in a few minutes. You know, give me something to chew on before I go. I'm going to go with a joy in my heart and a spring in my step. Somebody say amen. Well, I want you to know that in Christianity, I believe the kingdom of God coming into the heart of a man, according to Romans 14, 17, produces righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, doesn't it? Righteousness, peace, and joy where in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. See, when the Holy Ghost is a, a vibrant force inside your spiritual man, there should be righteousness. You're aware of your right standing with God. There should be peace and tranquility, the, the ultimate shalom in your life because the Holy Ghost has come in and manifested the power of God's peace in your life. And then there is joy. I believe we should be curiously joyful people upon the earth. Amen. We should be. It's a joy unspeakable that we have that's full of glory. Well, when did that joy unspeakable end? It should have never ended. It should still be there. And I know that it's there. In some people's lives, it's just lying way down at the bottom. Well, you know what? God wants it to spring back up. Praise God. If you can't be joyful about the fact that you're saved and you're on the right road and the right path for your life, there is something wrong with your experience in God. Thank God you've got something to shout about because you're on your way to heaven and you're shouting your victory. We should have joy unspeakable every day of our lives and full of glory. Thank God that we can have the joy of the Holy Ghost in our lives. And you know what? We're going to need the joy of the Holy Ghost because we have challenges in this life. And because we face certain challenges, the joy of the Lord is our what? It is our strength, our supernatural ability to rise up above our emotional conditions and draw from the strength and resource of the living God and overcome the obstacles that we face in this realm of life. So thank God for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit within our lives. Be filled with the Spirit, not with the emotions of the day, not with the effect of what you heard on the news. Don't be filled and overcome by what the stock market has done or said. Don't be moved by the evidence of what's taking place all around us, whether it's Y2K or whether it's the ozone or anything else. Let's just get zoned in on the living God and let the power of God have its sway over our lives every single day. And let's let the joy of the Lord be our what? Our strength our fortified place. Beloved, if we find ourselves frustrated, if we find ourselves easily agitated and irritable and edgy in life, you can mark it down in your book, you're just not living the Spirit-filled life. Ouch! Because I've been there too. 
If I find myself easily angered, if I find myself easily irritable, I can go to two sources to let me know what's going on. Number one, the Holy Ghost. The second one, Krista. She'll tell me in a heartbeat. And she will let me know, honey, you haven't spent enough time in the presence of the living God. You haven't prayed in the Holy Ghost just enough today. But just mark it down in your own book of records that if you find yourself irritable and easily agitated in life, it's because you haven't been drawing from the wells of living water. You haven't been drawing from the resources of God's power and strength and ability in the person of the Holy Ghost. And you know what? Your carnal nature has kind of taken over, put a blanket over the whole thing of God. And you're just living out your emotional feelings. But that's okay if you did it for a small all season. Repent and then rejoice in the Lord always and again. He says rejoice and rise up and say, Almighty Holy Spirit of God, I know I've got your joy on the inside of me. Let it rise up once again and be the strength of my life. Hallelujah. And also there's something else I noticed in Pentecostal circles. I discovered that in some, some places of Pentecostalism, there are those that believe that once you have the experience, you have the experience. In other words, I got filled with the Holy Ghost back in 1953. Spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance. And you know what? I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, I'm glad you were filled with the Holy Ghost. But you know what the implication is? Once you've been filled, you've arrived. You've got it. And that's all there is to it. You've achieved at a certain plateau of spirituality. And thank God, you're now Holy Ghost filled but there's no indication that they're living or maintaining a Spirit-filled life currently. Currently. See, they're talking about what happened in 1953. Well, thank God for what happened in 1953, but it's supposed to be a continuous experience in a person's life every single day. The Scripture here in Ephesians 5.18, if you look it up in the Greek and even in some other translations, it says, we are to be being filled or we are to be continuously filled being filled daily every day of our lives. Everybody say every day. With no exception. We are to maintain a Spirit-filled life. It's not a one-time experience that took place way back when and I spoke with other tongues way back when and I set up a memorial. It's way back in my bedroom. I put a little marker there that you can even look at. I still can see the tear dropping where it fell right there on the rug. And I put myself a little cross, you know, right there at that place and it's a living memorial testifying to the fact that I, in 1953, was filled with the Holy Ghost. God doesn't want us to, to, to live like that. It wasn't for a one-time experience. Praise God, it is for every single day of our lives because we're challenged every single day of our lives. What's the implication here? Now, I don't know about you, but I know about me. If we can, then if we need to have to be filled every single day with the Holy Ghost, sounds like there's a leak somewhere. Sounds like we're expending some spiritual energy somewhere. Wouldn't you agree with that? Absolutely. Anybody here ever purchase a car, an automobile? And one of the things that they threw in as a kicker, you know, probably to get you to buy the car, I'll give you a full tank of gas. Well, you know what? Listen to this. There's a difference between a full tank of gas and a lifetime supply of gas. Isn't that true? Now, he might entice me a little bit with a full tank of gas, but brother, let me tell you something. If he says, I'm going to kick in a lifetime, a lifetime supply of gas, 
regardless of how high it goes or how low it goes. I want you to know I'm supplying you with a lifelong supply of gasoline for this automobile. And so there you are. You're driving down the highway of life. You thought you made the greatest deal in all the world. You got that deal. You, 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 he didn't see you coming. You saw him, praise God. And when you got there, you made the deal of your life on that vehicle, and it concluded by you getting a lifetime supply of gasoline. You're driving down the highway like you're so excited. You're not concerned about how much gas you're using. You're just floating through life, driving down the highway of life, having a ball, having a good time. All of a sudden, your car stops going. All of a sudden, you're not going anywhere. You look at your gas gauge, and there's no gas inside your car and you wonder I pull out my cell phone see we got cell phones don't have to go to the pay phone anymore I pull out my cell phone I get on my cell phone I call that dealership up and say I thought you told me you gave me a lifetime supply of gasoline for this automobile and he says well, why we did where are you at? Well, I'm on a highway, and there's no gas inside my car. He said, look, buddy, you've got to go to the, to the refilling station and fill it up yourself. Didn't you realize that? You've got the supply, but you've got to go back to the source. Isn't that how it is with us? We can't just drive through life every single day and think, because I was filled in 1953. I spoke out in other tongues, and I know exactly what I said. <laughs> I don't even want to say it. <laughs> Oh, boy, glory to God. Those Pentecostal words I spoke out, you know, Shandala. <laughs> Shandala. I said Shandala ten times back in 1953, and my tank got full in 1953 with Shandala. <laughs> Hallelujah, and I'm full. No, you were filled. You were filled. The implication here is stay being filled with the Spirit every single day of your life. Why? Because you expend spiritual energy. In other words, when you live for God, you have an outflow of spiritual energy that flows out from your life. Jesus Christ Himself, the Son of God, did not live on one tank. The Bible says He woke up every, every day, either in early in the morning time or spent sometimes all night long going to the refueling station, going back to His Father, speaking to His Father, communing with His Father to fill Himself up getting himself enough full of the energy of God in his life for the day and to carry out the purpose of God for that day. Did he not do that? Beloved, if he had to, where does that leave us? Oh my goodness, my goodness, where does that leave us? Every single one of us too needs to be constantly filled with the Holy Ghost every single day of our lives so that we can be full of the energy, the power and the might of the Spirit of God so that we can be on top. And beloved, I don't believe God wants it just to be uh, you know, we have an inflow and thank God then we, then we give out and now we're completely empty and we've got to go back once again and get filled again. I don't know about you, but I know about me. And I like to keep my tank at least half full all the time. I don't want my tank to get down too far. I like to keep that thing up, praise God, and just keep it full and keep it full and keep it full and keep it full. That's how God wants it to be with us. He doesn't want us to get to the place where we have no more spiritual energy to give out to anybody, to stand up against all the wiles of the devil and the forces of darkness. He wants us to stay filled and stay full of the Holy Spirit every single day of our lives until we're overflowing an inflow of the river so there can be an outflow of the rivers of life in every one of our lives so that we can meet the challenges of the day and give to a lost and dying and needy world the power of the living God. Hallelujah. And that's why in that verse it says, if you look it up like I said in... Well, i got another translation right here. Do you mind? In the book of Ephesians 5 and verse 18, and this is from the Amplified Version of the Bible, it has another thought here to it. Oh, let's see. Chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, do not... 
this, verse 18 rather, and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery or an excessively lewd behavior. And we understand that now, don't we? But ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Ever, ever, ever be. Be ever, ever being filled and stimulated. Do you see that? I need stimulated today. When I get up tomorrow, I'm going to need stimulated again tomorrow. And when you get up the next day, you're going to need to be stimulated that day as well. God has produced within us this experience of the Holy Ghost so that every single day of our lives we can be stimulated by a power that transcends all other powers. We can tap into a resource that goes beyond anything that we can possibly imagine within our lives. Now, I believe, that my brother and sister, that God wants for every single one of us a, a life that is so stimulated and so empowered by the Spirit of God that everywhere we go, we can act just like Jesus did. And we can tell people, I've got inside me exactly what you need. If you need to lay hands on the sick that they might recover, you have that resource just vibrant and alive on the inside of you. You have a confidence about you because you've been in, so, in such touch with the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life that your faith is so, so stimulated built up on your most holy faith that you've got a boldness about you that enables you just to right there have confidence to believe with that person. I'll lay hands on you. I'll set you free by the power and might of the living God. I'll tell you what, if half of us had, enough, had the energy that my son Dante has, you know, imagine that's natural energy. If we just had half that with the Holy Ghost, I'll tell you what, we'd be absolutely revolutionized people. Beloved, God wants us to have this source in our lives because He is our daily strength. He wants us to daily depend upon the Holy Ghost to help us, to guide us, to direct us in all that we need to do. And I don't know about you, but I believe that we should want everything that's on the plate that God has for us, don't you? I don't want to be satisfied with the half-filled life. I don't want to be satisfied with having received the Holy Ghost many, many years ago. I want to know that every single day I can have what's on the plate, all that God has for me on the plate. It's almost something like this. Have you ever gone to a restaurant? Maybe let's say someone recommended to you a, 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 an Italian restaurant and they are noted for absolutely having the most wonderful sauce you know, around. And all of a sudden you say, I, I want to try some of that good Italian sauce. And then you get there and you begin to look at the menu and it says, hmm, rigatoni, cavatelli, lasagna, Mmm, angel hair. Hey, ravioli. I like that as well. But now you're confused. What are you going to do? You've got to make a choice here. You know, one of these dishes you can enjoy, and it's only one at a time that you can enjoy them. You're going to have to come back five, six times just to try all the different pastas that they make. Or you can look to the bottom of the menu. It says, have the tour of Italy. <laughs> you know what the tour of Italy is? A little bit of angel hair. A little bit of rigatoni, a little bit of penne, oh, a little bit of cavatelli, a little bit of lasagna, and just maybe one ravioli or two. And it's all on that one plate, just a little portion of every single one of them. We should be like that with God. We want the whole plate. We want everything that's out there on the plate that God has for every single one of our lives. We want to taste all that God has for us. Beloved, God wants us in this day and age to be a Spirit-filled people. He wants us to be a people that are not satisfied with just having a little bit 
of God within our lives. I want you to see something here, if you would, please, in the book of Acts. Would you go to the book of Acts with me? And we'll kind of close this up and wrap it up. In the book of Acts, in chapter 1, and I just want to give to you real quick some of the scriptures that reveal to us how Jesus taught about the different workings of the Holy Spirit of God in the life of the believer. And you can look up those verses for yourself at a later time or get the tape and go over with them if you've never go over them with the tape if you've never heard them before. But if you go back to John's Gospel in chapter 4, now we're finding Acts chapter 1, you'll discover in the book of Acts in chapter 4 that Jesus was at the well talking to a Samaritan woman, a woman of Samaria. And, of course, she was getting water and all that. You know the story there. And just the very fact that Jesus was talking to this particular person, you know, as well as I do, means that he was out there somewhere. I mean, Jesus was breaking all the rules because the Jews had no association with the Samaritans. And the Jews didn't really discuss spiritual things with women, did they? So now Jesus has got a Samaritan woman that he's talking about spiritual things with, even talks to her and asks her to give him some water. You know the story. So he's discussing these things with her. I mean, the Samaritans and the Jews, they did not mix. They were like oil and water. They did not mix whatsoever. And the Jews were so against the Samaritans that they would choose rather than to walk through their country to walk all the way around their country to get to a destination when they could have walked straight through their land. That's how obstinate they were. They were so prejudiced. They were so racist. They couldn't live among those people because, you see, in their eyes, they were half-breeds. Syrians and Jews, and they were a mixed race, and they didn't like that whatsoever. And you know what? They even thought God couldn't touch them because of that. Well, you know what, saints? I've got some news for them, and I've got some news for us today. We've all been made from one pool of blood. Every single one of us has been made from one pool of blood. And in Christ, there is no gender difference. There is no male. There is no female. There is no black. There is no white. There is no Jew. There is no Greek. There, there is no rich. There is no poor. As far as he is concerned, we're all one, and we're all equal heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ Jesus. And not only did he make us from one pool of blood, he saved us, praise God, from one fountain of blood. And we all draw from the same fountain the blood from Emmanuel's veins. Aren't you glad for that? And Jesus talking to this woman, you know, said to give me some water and she says, you know, and they answered back and, and you know the story, but Jesus said, look, look, woman, if you knew who it was that was speaking to you and talking to you that you would ask of me and I'd give you, I'd give you living water, a well of living water that would spring up in you unto everlasting life. See, the first work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is a well of living water springing up into everlasting life in that person's heart, in that person's spiritual condition. That person comes to Jesus Christ who is offering a well. Would you say with me, thank you, Father, for the well of water in my spirit that leads to everlasting life. Thank you for the new birth and the life of God that's in my spirit. But then Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, that if any man really thirsts, let him come to me and drink, and out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, that they which believe on him should receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Remember those verses of Scripture there? Jesus was saying there's another experience that goes beyond that first or initial experience of being uh, saved and receiving the life of God in our spirit man called eternal life. There was also the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Ghost with fire, and that you can receive home a whole lot more if you want more of God on the inside, but it's up to you. If you really thirst, notice there's always a Godward side and a manward side. Let me quickly add something here this evening. You know, there are those that there are three kinds of people that are out there in the Christian world today. Number one, there are those who think that God is responsible to do it all. It's all God. 
Man, I sit back in case of Asada. That means what will be, will be. I can sit back, kick off my shoes, put up my feet, eat my bonbons, and God's going to do whatever He wants to do in life as far as life goes. And you know what? That's wrong. It's not one-sided that God does it all. But then again, there are those that might think, well, hey, it's all on the other side. It's, it's legalism. It's what we can do. I've got to live by every letter of the law. And if I make one mistake, you better look out. The fire of God's coming down from heaven. going to burn you up, judge you, criticize you to no end, and spank you royal. But you know what? It's not all that side. It's not all the legalistic side. There is a part that God has to play, and there is a part that we have to play. And you know, when God does His part, and we do our part, God does His part, and you bring those two together, you've got the full part done, praise God, and you've got yourself a powerful thing in the sight of God. In other words, He says, look, we're more than conquerors through Him that loves us. I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. It's not just I doing all things. It's not God just doing all things. I can do it through Christ. It's the two working together. I've been made more than a conqueror through Him that loves me. He fills me with the Holy Ghost. I speak with other tongues, but He gives me the utterance. You see that partnership right there? You see that working together right there? You're not going to wake up in the morning and say, Father, I got filled with the Holy Ghost back in 1953 and all should be well with my soul. You're going to say, Father, I'm waking up today. And yes, that was my initial infilling, but I can't live on yesterday's manna. I can't live on yesterday's food. I want you to know something, saint of God. Every single one of us needs to be filled with the Word and filled with the Spirit. You can be filled with the Word and not filled with the Spirit. You can be filled with the Spirit and not be filled with the Word. God wants us filled with the Spirit and filled with the Word both. And we should be full of both of them. Every single day of our lives, He wants us to feed upon the Word. Every single day of our lives, He wants us to be filled with the Spirit by drawing from the rivers of living water in our souls so that we are Word people, Spirit-filled people every single day of our lives going forth as a shining light in darkness. He said over here in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, or rather verse 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, uh, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Notice the promise of the Father. So John truly baptized with water. Ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And in verse 8, ye shall receive power. Notice Jesus talked about this experience as being, number one, he says, you're going to receive the promise. It's a promise. Number two, it is called a baptism or an immersion with the Holy Ghost. And number three, it is called receiving power, dunamis, the miracle, ability of God in your life. Those three things he defines as being the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And initially, in John 20, Jesus, after He was raised up from the dead, He breathed upon His own disciples after His resurrection, and He breathed into them the Spirit and said, Whom sins do you remit? The remitted who sins you forgive, they're forgiven. Remember that story over there in John chapter 20 and verse 22? One of you remember that story. Do you remember that story over there? Oh, I'm going to take you back and I'm going to show you something here. In that verse of Scripture, it talks about He breathed in, and that's... He breathed on them. But really, that's a, not, not the greatest translation. It should state, He breathed in them. And it reminds us of way back in Genesis in chapter you know, 1 and 2 in, in the beginning of all things when God made Adam's body from the dust of the earth and formed the body first out of the dust of the earth. And that body was lifeless until God did what? He breathed in to Adam the breath of life and he became a living soul. When Jesus broke through that door in his glorified body, he came right through the wall, praise God. They were all assembled together. He didn't breathe on them. He breathed in them. In other words, he said, I here receive the Spirit just the way the Father said to Adam, receive life. And on the inside came the life of God and their spirits were born again, recreated with the life and the nature of the living God in their inward parts. That's the new birth. 
If that would have been enough, then why do we have Acts chapter 1 and 2? If all the experience there was was that experience, if, if that was the only experience we can have as far as receiving the Spirit of God in our lives, then why did He say this in Acts chapter 1 and 2? Why did He say, go wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, which saith He that was spoken of, you're going to receive power from on high, the baptism or the immersion of the Holy Ghost. In fact, see, in the first experience, He just conditioned their spirits. He got the wineskins ready. Come on, skins, are you ready? I'm going to pour in you the dynamic power of the presence of the Most High God in a measure that humanity has never experienced ever before. I'm going to flood your spirit with the Holy Ghost and power. This second experience subsequent to salvation is called the baptism with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And here we see Jesus telling them, you're going to receive the Holy Ghost and you will be empowered. You'll be empowered to witness for me. You'll be equipped to serve me. You're going to have a source of fellowship and friendship in the earth that goes beyond any other resource that you can possibly have. He's going to direct you. He is going to guide you. He is going to be with you. He's going to help you, counsel you, guide you. All those things he said the Holy Ghost would be. But then go on over to Acts chapter 2. Why would this be necessary? Why would this be in here? Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven like as a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat on each of them. And here's the picture. It's as if there they are sitting, there they are waiting, they're obedient to the command of the Lord, and all of a sudden the wind of the Spirit begins to blow in that place and they can sense or feel the wind of the Holy Spirit of God. They've already received the Spirit, if you recall, back in John 20 and verse 20, 20 through 22. Well, all of a sudden, here they are tearing in Jerusalem, these born-again ones that have the Spirit life on the inside of them, and all of a sudden now, they see a ball of fire filling that room where they're all sitting, and shafts of light begin to shoot out from the ball of fire in cloven tongues like as a fire, and sits upon each and every one of them, and they're, everybody say, all filled. I'll say it again, all filled. See, there are those that are out there and they believe this way. They think this way. Oh, this is good for some, you know, and it's okay for those. And I'm not going to criticize those that are filled with the Spirit and speak with other tongues. But, you know, it's not my cup of tea. It's just not my bag. It's just not my style. I just don't live my life that way. You know, they think, oh, it's only for the emotional. It's only for the wacky ones that get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak out with other tongues. You know, it's for those wild, excessive people that like to do all this stuff and everything. No, it, that's not the command. The command is not for you if it's your style. It's not for you if you want it. The Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. And if you are a believer, every believer is commanded to be filled with the Spirit and to be being filled with the Spirit. And listen, there are those that will say, well, you know, the evidence of being filled with the Spirit is you might have this gift. You might have this, that gift. You might have the other gift. Some may speak with tongues. You might have a mercy gift. You might have this functional gift or that functional gift and whatever. Everybody say all again. What do they all do? What did they all do? They all spoke with other tongues. They all spoke with other tongues. What was the decisive, distinctive evidence that they were filled with the Holy Ghost according to the plan of the Father God who is the Creator God of all the universe? What did they do? Now, if you and I had to make a decision as to what would be the evidence of being filled with the Spirit, it may not have been speaking with other tongues. How many know that God didn't take a vote? He didn't collect all His people together and say, you know, let's discuss this thing before we do it. And let's take a vote and see whether or not we want to have a Saturday night service or not. I mean, I'm sorry. Whether, whether, whether. 
or whether we want tongues to be the distinctive, you know, evidence that a person has been filled with the Holy Ghost. How many know that God didn't take a vote? God, in His infinite wisdom, knew that the most difficult member of the human body to control is the what? You know, if you can control your tongue, James says you can control your what? Your whole body. So what does he target the tongue? It's humbling to speak in tongues. I'm telling you, it is. It goes beyond human logic. It goes beyond human reason that I can speak in a language I have never been taught. It is a humbling experience. And you're humbling yourself to God and you're saying, I just choose to give myself to God. I might sound like a wacko. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I am going to be obedient to God and I'm going to be filled with the Spirit. And are you ready for this? Every single day, God wants us to stay that way. God wants us to maintain a Spirit-filled life. See, when you got filled with the Spirit, what did you do? You spoke with other tongues. But are you ready for this? To stay filled with the Spirit, to maintain a Spirit-filled life, you've got to continue to speak with other tongues. And are you ready for this? The more you speak in other tongues, the more you maintain a Spirit-filled life. The less you speak with other tongues, the less you maintain a Spirit-filled life. So if we want to maintain a daily Spirit-filled life, let's keep on going to the source. Let's keep on going and refueling our tanks. Let's rise up in the morning time and just start praying out in the Holy Ghost and thanking God. Father, I thank you for the resource of the Holy Ghost. I thank you, dear Father. I have partaken of all the plate. I have all that you want for me. I have all that in my life that I, that I need to overcome in this life. I just want you to know that I am so privileged to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And Father God, I humble myself before you. I want my tank to be filled and my cup to be overflowing. And so I'm going to just give myself over to you to pray in the Holy Ghost. Oh, I'm going to spend the next 15, 20 minutes just praying in the Holy Ghost. And I know that as I do... I'm going to have my tank filled. I know that as I do, I'm going to contact the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is going to contact my spirit. Together, we're going to pray out your perfect will for my life. I'm going to have the energy of the Spirit active in my life. I'm going to have insight that only the Holy Spirit can give to me in my walk in this life. And I just thank you, Father God, for this privilege of being filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to generate your miracle working power in this life. I'm going to be so full and so filled with your Spirit that I stimulate my faith to act out boldly every single day of my life to let other people know about Jesus. And pray for the sick and do whatever. Beloved, I want you to know something. Every single one of these people spoke out with other tongues as a, as a distinct evidence that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. It wasn't a separate, distinct evidence. It was all the same. And it hasn't changed and it never will. It's always the same. Now, you might have other giftings and you might have other gifts of the Spirit in your life, but the initial evidence that you have been filled is that you will speak out with other tongues. And the more you and I speak out with other tongues, as a matter of fact, we'll close it right back at our original text. He said, Be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be being filled with the Spirit. And then he says, How? Speaking to yourself. Speaking to yourself. Speaking to yourself. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so when you find yourself waking up in the morning and saying, I'm just so blue today. Or it just seems like as though that life has just gotten you down. How many of you know there are many challenges in the Christian life? You know, the, the time that we were going through all that stuff with our past president and everything, I'll tell you what, it was, a, it was really sad. It was a sad situation, wasn't it? And you look around the world today and you see other sad situations. We've recently seen sad situations right here in Among Us with a police officer being executed by young people for whatever reasons that we may not really, really, really know. It's sad. And you know what? There are fears. And there are people that, that cower away and feel as though that, man, there's something wrong here. You know what, something? You know what, beloved? I'm glad we have something that transcends all the fears of this life. 
I'm, I'm glad we have a resource that we can tap into that goes beyond anything that man can offer us in this life. I'm glad to God that we got a protection of the Holy Spirit of God. I'm glad that we can look to the resource of the Holy Spirit and pray in the Spirit. And when our minds begin to falter and we begin to fall victim to what our thoughts are telling us and our, our, our the newspapers are telling us and the television art, uh, reporters are telling us and the radio uh, report and announcers are telling us all this stuff, you and I can shut all that out. We can get in the presence of God and we can pray in the Holy Ghost. When your doctor tells you, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to make it. And all, all the resources that man has dictate to the fact there's not, no possible way you're going to come out from this thing. You know, you can walk away from that place. And although you might have some initial thoughts coming into your mind about what am I going to do now and who am I going to turn to now, I want you to know, I want you to be dependent upon and I want you to realize that you can turn to and trust in and depend upon the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit, of the living God. And you have somebody that transcends all the powers and you can go to Him and you can say to Him, Holy Spirit of God, I know that you want to make good in my life all that Jesus died for me for upon that cross of Calvary. And I'm just going to pray in the Holy Spirit. You're going to be the guiding force in my life. You're going to be the governing force in my life. And you're going to rise up inside my spirit and you're going to rise above all the thoughts of the day and all the interferences that come out there by way of every media known to mankind. And Father God, you're going to make real in me the Holy Ghost is not just a doctrine, but the Holy Ghost is a reality. His power is a reality. And the might of the Spirit, the healing virtue of God is a reality, a tangible substance I'm activating inside my life. And He will be alive in me to take me to higher heights than I've ever been before. So thank God for the Holy Ghost in my life. I am not turning to the intoxicants of this world. I am not turning to the things that can fill me up in the natural in this world. Father, I am turning to, relying on, depending on the power and ministry of the Holy Ghost. And I boldly say, if the Holy Spirit of God could raise Jesus from the dead, whose body was so emaciated because of His death upon the cross. Everybody say with me, how much more? How much more can He help this physical body that's under attack while it's still alive? <laughs> Hallelujah! If the Spirit of God that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He that raised up Christ from the dead will quicken, make alive, and animate your mortal body by His Spirit who dwells in you. And then say, Shandala. <laughs> Let's stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.